Hello and welcome to today's podcast. This one is about uh, selling and we've got John Cunningham online. Welcome, John. Hi, Richard. Uh, um, I'm not going to introduce John as far as what he does. Uh, we'll get to a question later on that, that will cover that. But John, let's just first start with the obvious question, seeing as we're talking about selling. Um, the word sales often scares people, doesn't it? Why, why do you think that is? I think it scares some people. Um, I think uh, there's probably a, a, another few set of um, negative emotions that it brings out in different people. And I think it's driven by perception. I think it's driven by a perception of what sales means rather than what it should mean. So I think some people are, uh, I think, I think it, certainly in the UK anyway, selling is seen as something that is done to you by somebody uh, rather than a collaborative process. And I think, um, lots of things like uh, uh, targets and uh, practices that take place mean that people behave in ways that really aren't necessarily conducive to good relationships sometimes in the world of sales. Well, I think that's putting it mildly, yes. Um, I, th I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, this leads me on to the second question though. I mean, where do you think most businesses go wrong? Um, in terms of sales, where most businesses go wrong? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, that you know, when you when you're dealing with a sales rep of sorts, whether it be someone cold calling you or through some kind of social media or something, you you not you dealing with someone who's been trained and shown what to do. So, where are the businesses going wrong when they're actually sitting down planning this stuff? I think it depends on your perspective. From my perspective, I think that very often um, there's and from what I see, uh, and I'm not saying all organizations are like this, so various caveats, but I think a lot of organizations don't necessarily think about the, the, the end audience as much as they should. I think far too many people operate a spray and pray methodology where they just contact people at random um, and, and, and just pitch at them, hoping that someone might buy it. I don't think they're very selective. I think that they come at it from an angle of what's in it for me and, um, rather than what's in it for the customer. Uh, I mean, there's some of the things. There's probably more as well. Yeah, I can imagine so. Um, but now let's, let's talk about something that most of us consider a swear word, uh, telemarketers. I think out yeah. of everyone that I've seen commenting about them, um, I don't think anyone likes them other than you. Um, oh, come on. So what... what <laughs> I mean, I know this is a pretty obvious question, but what, what are they doing wrong? Why are they so hated? I think it's some of the same things that I've alluded to. I think um, there's a whole set of things that, that, that go wrong with uh, sort of telesales, telemarketing, cold calling. Um, the first is acting like you have the right to speak to somebody. The second is thinking about what you want to say. The third is an emotional one driven by a fear. They fear that they're taking up your time. Um, and sorry, when I say they, I'm not talking about all of them. I'm talking mm. about some, uh, but they fear that they're taking up your time. And in order to deal with that and not have a negative thing happen, which is you hang up, they then feel that the only way to handle that is to rattle off their pitch at a lightning rate. Uh, so that creates quite a bad experience. I think the whole um, mindset that a lot of people go, go into a cold call with is, is fundamentally wrong, uh, which means that it becomes a nuisance thing rather than a kind of parity thing. I think if people can position themselves as um, an expert 
on and, and in fact become an expert on the area that they're approaching people about and contact people with a genuine interest in solving a problem or pain that that person has and being aware that that person because of who they are is likely to experience that pain i think people's perception of telemarketing and telesales will be fundamentally different um if for example you were to contact somebody who was i don't know um uh, a landscape gardener for example and you know that you produced a landscape gardening spreadsheet that has been used by every single landscape gardener that you've come across and they have found it incredibly useful because it's helped them work out how much lawn seed they need how much fertilizer they need it's helped them work out their gross profits helped them work out this and that if you were to then contact a landscape gardener and say richard look i'm keen to grab a moment of your time at some point and tell you um, uh, a little bit about how we're helping people like you landscape gardeners have you got a couple of minutes sometime there's already a little bit of intrigue there there's already um uh, uh, a, a high level of relevance there and i think those two things are often lacking relevance interest and also there was some respect there because i asked you when was a good time so i think relevance intrigue and respect are things that are, are often lacking in the telemarketing and telesales calls that people don't like because I think one of the problems with, with, with the telesales that, that I find is that, I mean, it's, it's a problem that's brought about by something that I think inherently is good, but it's just become an issue. And that is um, structure and process. Now, I'm all for structure in the business. I'm all for processes. I'm all for monitoring that. I'm all for knowing what your game plan is and, and initiating it. So I don't have a problem with the, with the, with the structure and the process behind cold calling. But sometimes mm -hmm. I feel that you need to find that balance between following the structure and actually understanding and being helpful. And I find those two often don't go hand in hand. If I ask someone a question, they're not listening to what I'm asking. They're looking at what solutions they've got that best fit what I'm asking. And it never yeah, quite fits. Yeah. I mean, that's just a misunderstanding of what they need mm -hmm. to be doing. You know, it, it, um, really, uh, I think a cold call should be about speaking to somebody getting to sort of understand whether they they experience some of the pains and problems that other people like them experience or other people in the same line of work experience um creating a forum between the two of you where you can actually have a meaningful discussion about the pains and problems that they experience that you might be able to help with is is, is the is the way the conversation should want to go rather than oh do you want to buy a no mm. do you want to buy b no do you want to buy c no what about d does that does that you know, that's a bit different. Do you fancy that? It should be much more about creating an environment where you can have an honest and open discussion about, well, these are the sorts of things that we help with. Are any of those situations that you experience? Well, yeah, we did have that problem with this, uh, you know, this situation, with that situation last year. Okay, great. You know, what were you doing? Uh, questioning and, and, but the mindset has to be right. The mindset has to be, I want to help the person that I'm calling rather than I want to sell them some stuff. And I think that's the issue with a lot of sales is it's I want to sell anybody my product rather than I actually actively want to help somebody. So, so do you think this comes down to a lack of training? Do you think it comes down to a lack of product knowledge? Do you think it comes down to targets and things that the, that the cold callers are facing? Or is it just a combination of all of those things that, that drives this? I think it's all of those things, which is driven by culture. Um, so if the organization doesn't, um, it, you know, it's got, not, it's got a choice. It can either employ people to just call people up and make random calls to as many people as it can in the hope that somebody might buy, 
or it can actually actively want to help people to, to, to benefit from its solutions and then target people who will actually benefit or who are prone to benefit. So I think it's all of the above. I think it's all of those things that you mentioned, but I think those things are symptoms rather mm. than causes. Because I mean, I'm just wondering as well as to what negative impact bad sales have. Because you see so many posts on LinkedIn about people moaning about this person has contacted them through cold calling and, and did it in such an, uh, an awful way. And I'm just wondering you know, if you do adopt that, that attitude of contact as many people as you can and hope for the best, um, mm. what kind of effect that will have on your, on, your, on your brand? I think it decimates brand. I think the problem is that a lot of people aren't worried about brand because a lot of people mm. are short-termist. A lot of people are very focused on, oh, what you know i need to hit this target this week this month this quarter this year i need to do this you know and, it, and it, i mean don't get me started on this because you you know <laughs> you know i will but um i think that's a problem in life uh, i think that's a problem in politics i think that's a problem in society i think that's a problem in the world it's why global warming is a problem probably because people are focused on the short term yeah but that's well, a much bigger conversation well, yeah, I mean, if we had a conversation about what, where the world's problems come from, I, I think it's, it's exactly that. Um, let's, let's just look a little further and a little bit wider as far as selling is concerned. Now, there's a word that I'm not a particular big fan of because it's way overused, and that is uh, holistic. I think people use it for everything. But I think when it comes to sales, it is quite important to have a holistic approach in sales. All your um, client contact points need to be sending the same message don't they uh i think they need to be sending the same underlying message mm. but um they may want yeah i think you need to think holistically yeah that that's the first part of that question i guess you need to think does what i'm saying on the phone is that backed up by the collateral that i'm sending is that backed up by my website is that backed up by what my clients say about me is that what backed up by what my google um uh reviews say about me is that the same as you know my youtube video yeah there needs to be that holistic approach but i think there's also a thing about tailoring what you say to depending on who you're saying it to because a lot of businesses have different audiences so you're you know you're not going to say the same thing to a florist as you are to a landscape gardener as you are to a accountant as you are to a, a quantity surveyor probably in relation to your spreadsheets because they have different needs um and also how you talk to people probably varies on what channel you're using. So um, whether you're using phone, whether you're using email, whether you're in some sort of social media, I imagine the way that you would communicate, and I'm not a marketing specialist, but the way that you would communicate in Instagram, um, you know, uh, might be very different than the way you would communicate in a, in a formal business email. But ultimately the underlying message, I guess, needs to be, um, they, they need to support each other. Can I, very briefly, John, can you explain to us how you actually help you and your company help businesses on the sales front? Yeah, so we tend to help business owners, managers, directors um, with uh, business development uh, strategy, business development direction. Uh, it might be that they've, they've got a problem that they're aware of and they need somebody to come in and fix it. So they might need their sales team training or their, their, their cold calling staff training. Um, it might be that they're not aware of a problem and they know they've got a problem, but they're not really sure where it sits. And then we can go in and we can sit with them and we can do an audit. We can go through their various process and really get to the bottom of things and help them optimize and improve. Um, 
so 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 primarily it's helping uh, yeah business owners and directors to solve problems in their sales or business development process or journey and in helping their sales staff to become um, better uh, at outreaching to people on the phone via email through LinkedIn um, and all the stuff that goes alongside that so systems process technology um, uh, yeah and anything else that, that seems pertinent um, positioning messaging all that stuff I often hear the phrase when it comes to sales that it's just a numbers game um, my, my question, if you look at it from a logical point of view, is if you're trying something and you're doing some kind of sales approach and mm -hmm. you're not getting, you're getting sales, but you're not getting quite what you want, at what point do you adjust that sales process or do you just keep going because eventually you're going to get a breakthrough? I mean, how do you know when you're on the right track, but you just got to push harder? And how do you know when you need to change tracks? I think it depends whether your data is quantitative or qualitative. Whether your data is uh, is, is numbers or uh, thank you, yeah, or um, information led. So um, I think if you do one call to somebody who is the profile of person that you're trying to reach, and they give you some very valuable uh, feedback um, in words, not numbers. I'm not going to try and say any words beginning with Q. Um, then you'll get a very good sense straight away of oh. I can see that when I use this word, it doesn't land. Now that's a great thing about cold calling um, and, and, and um, direct contact with that be face to face or whatever, is you get feedback, you know, you can send 500 emails and look at the open rate and go, oh, that's a good open rate. And then you could look at the reply rate and go, oh, that's quite good. But you might not get any real um, quality feedback, mm. a feedback that actually tells you what you need to do differently. People might say, oh, no, I'm not interested. People might say, oh, no, now's not the right time. Um, so I think it depends what channel you're talking about. Uh, I, I guess with email, you know, you, you probably have to be in the, probably in the hundreds for it to be statistically accurate to make an assessment as to whether the open rate is decent and the reply rate is good and the interested rate is good. I think on more um, human channels or, or more communicative channels, you can probably get much deeper insights from, from, from fewer interactions. I don't know if that answers your question though. No, well, it doesn't mean, look, I would, I would like to assume that if people get some constructive feedback from particular clients saying, well, because you said this, that put me off, that kind of thing, I'd like to assume that they would take note of that and actually make some changes. Um, mm -hmm. Well, what I find, because I've made a lot of spreadsheets for people to actually monitor things like cold calls, so put down the results of each cold call based on the different calls and, and actually see which ones bring you more success at the end of the day. Because even if you're not necessarily asking the client or they're not giving you specific feedback, you can still judge by the numbers as to mm -hmm. which approach is working. But I find it quite surprising how so few people seem to do that. It's just a case of, well, that's our sales script, get cracking. Um, and they don't really assess the numbers afterwards. Yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, your first part of your question was what you hear it's a numbers game. And I think there is an element of it being a numbers game. I think if you speak to nobody, if you communicate with nobody, you're, 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 you're going to sell nothing. If you speak to lots of people, um, you know, and, and quantity is the focus, you can suffer on the, on the quality side. Um, and I do think that you need to look at the stats, look at the information that you're getting back 
and make like, intelligent decisions about what you're going to do with that and then make those changes. Um, but to me, I think sales is a, a business of, I think some people will say to you, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a process and a, and, a, and a numbers game. And I think it is a blend of both um, science and art. And I think you, you, you need to look at it with, from both perspectives. You need to look at it from a, from a, from a, uh, a scientific standpoint, i.e. what is the, you know, if we do A and we do B and they take similar amounts of time and money, which one of those two things is landing best? So, you know, basically an A-B test, but also look at it from, a, from, a, from, a, from an art standpoint and say, okay, so on the A-B test, we, we have much less engagement, but the quality of the engagement that we have is much higher, um, or instinctively I feel that the engagement we've had from the activity A that we've done is going to pay off in the long term, even if it's not in the short term. So I think you just need to blend the two. Mm. And, and also, I think there's an element, I think one of the things I've struggled with in, in selling is I've always, all the sale, a lot of most of the sales I've done in my, in my lifetime has been internal sales, not external sales. So I haven't necessarily gone to the client. The clients always come to me. Right, so I, I'm still way more comfortable if someone approaches me engaging and helping them because then I see they've come to me for a reason and, and if I can give them a solution, I will do. I still very, feel very uncomfortable approaching someone who hasn't come to me first. Um, and I think there's probably an element to, to all of us, the way, the way we like to be approached, the way we want to be approached, we often approach others, but that's not necessarily the way they want to be approached. I mean, I, I know for me, I, work, I, work, I don't respond well to cold callers, however good or professional they are. I just, I just don't mm -hmm. like it. Um, but when I discover I need something and I call them, then I want them to have the answers. And sometimes, obviously, they don't. And that also upsets me. But you, you've got to almost take your emotions out of it, don't you? And actually look at what, how your clients would want or your potential clients would, would want to be approached. Yes, and I think also there's another element, which is, um, you know, I think you need to be respectful of, of, of how people want to be approached, obviously, that, that, that's key. But um, going against everything I've said, there's also a sort of looking at it from your own standpoint. Um, the problem, not the problem, but one of the challenges with uh, relying on inbound is that no matter how good your methodology for getting those people there, whether it be Google ads or um, social media or Facebook ads or, you know, whatever you're using to, to land people or content marketing or whatever, um, you're still reliant on which people decide to get in touch with you. Mm. The sort of approach that I've adopted over the years, the, the kind of outbound cold calling or cold emailing, all that stuff. I can laser pinpoint people that, we want to work with and target them directly and if it's done in the right way start a relationship with the with the people who actually matter so um you know uh, i think anyone who, who who who's uh um done the kind of inbound thing you know i think it's you're going to get people contact you where there's just not a match um mm. and i think if you do it the other way and i'm not saying do one or the other i think both both have their merits and, and should probably be used together 
you can go directly to the people you want to go to. So I had a client a few years back when we were doing kind of um, uh, you know lead generation in our in our in our uh, uh, for a client, and they wanted to get into six big companies, six I think FTSE 100 companies um, who they've been trying to get into for six years. They wanted to speak to really senior people in those businesses, so like CEO, other C level people. Um, they couldn't do it. They tried, they've written emails, they've done this, they've done that. Those people were never going to find this company. They just weren't going to find them. But we sat down, went through all the material that they'd generated over time to these people and managed to get them into every single one of those clients, every single one of those six clients, just by breaking down what they had, looking at who they wanted to get in touch with, and then creating an approach that would actually resonate with the person who was going to receive it. So, um, I don't think that particularly answers your question, but I think, yes, you need to think, <laughs> to answer your question, yes, you need to think about how your audience wants to be approached, but you also need to be a little bit selfish and think, well, if I can help that person um, and I really need to reach them, I can't necessarily rely on the fact that they're just going to come to me. Hmm. Well, I mean, as you as you're speaking, I was, I was just having, a, I was thinking about the, why am I so anti cold callers? And I think the reason why I'm anti them is because I don't think I've ever been approached by someone who actually knows what I do. Right. Um, and if I actually got a call from someone saying, listen, we understand what you do. We've looked at your website. We, we know what you're trying to sell. We know how you're trying to do it. And actually we've got a product that showcases products like yours, whatever. If I weren't interested, I would, I would still be polite. I would still listen to what they had to say. I would still consider it because I think if, if they understand me and they think it could work, I need to at least hear what they have to say. The problem is yeah. so many calls, I'll get someone contact me saying, uh, we, we, we provide software solutions to businesses like yours. I go, what kind of software? And they're selling me, <clears throat> excuse me, the very thing I'm selling. And I'm going, why would I buy yours when I make that? Uh, or yeah. obviously you, you get the good old, we hear you were in a car accident. No, I wasn't. You're just fishing. Uh, those yeah, kind of things. And that, that puts people off, doesn't it? Yeah. And this stuff is like very low level. This is, this is, you know, what I've been trying to fight against over the past few years. And the thing I've been telling people not to get involved with, not to do over these past few years, the thing that like sullies the image and reputation of what is, I mean, ultimately what we're talking about, when we talk about cold calling or when we talk about calling is connecting with somebody on a human level and starting a relationship. Mm. If you do, if, if I rang you tomorrow uh, on behalf of a um, industry body, I found that you had a spreadsheet for, I don't know. Um, uh, let's go back to my landscape gardeners mm. and I'm a part of an industry body that represents you know, I've got 5,000 landscape gardener members. I found your landscape gardening spreadsheet. I think it's brilliant. And I ring you up and I say, hi, Richard, I've seen your landscape gardening spreadsheet. I think it's brilliant. I think it would really help each one of our members. We've got 5,000 landscape gardener members and I'd like each of them to see it. I think your reception would be very, very different. And, um, you know, maybe it's a distinction between the word cold calling and not, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, it goes back to my uh, it goes back to my point about relevance and respect and intrigue and um, yeah just 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 the way that someone approaches you. Yeah, I I, I think I think that's true because I mean one of one of the uh, telltale signs I see specifically in in emails um, 
because I'll probably get to, you know, as it does everyone else, two or three emails saying, we can sell you this, do you want to buy all that? Um, and as soon as, because my business is, is uh, trading as spreadsheet solutions, but the actual business name is something different, some call limited. Yeah. So yeah. what happens is as soon as I get an email saying, dear Richard, at some call limited, I switch off. Right, because yeah. they don't know what I'm doing. Because any human being who's gone and looked at what I'm brand, branded and what I'm promoting and what's on the social media and anyone who knows what I do, most of my clients don't even know that it's some call limited and they don't really care. But the ones who have gone online and found some kind of register and gone, let's just email everyone and whack that in because that seems like what they do. Yep. Then I know that it's not, it's not a personalized approach. And I think obviously that, that's what's giving the cold calling a bad name is that kind of, that kind of a shotgun approach. And it's the same with every single business, you know, um, social media marketing, there'll be 90% of people who are doing it terribly. Cold calling, there'll be 90% of people that are doing it terribly. Google ads, there'll be 90% of people that are doing it terribly. And maybe it's more than 90, I don't know. Um, spreadsheets, I'm sure you can buy a terrible, terrible spreadsheet. Mm. From, from all sorts of places that doesn't really do what it's supposed to do, breaks when you do certain things, has no, every, every um, product or service has bad, account, accountants, don't get me started on accountants, honestly, it's not a good situation. Um, uh, every product or service is, is, is full of people who, uh, every sector rather, is full of people who, who, who don't do a good job the difference is with cold calling is that the entry requirements are much lower than it might be for say, um, uh, well, spreadsheets or uh, spreadsheet creation or accountancy or something like that. Accountancy, you have to do an AAT qualification or an ACCA, CA, whatever it is, qualification. Spreadsheet, you need to be able to navigate your way around a sheet, write formulas, so on and so forth. Um, most people by the age of, I don't know, four, uh, have the ability to pick up a phone and speak so that's you qualified what it ignores is all the other attributes that actually make you really really good at doing cold calling so i think industries are full of rubbish people um uh, uh not, not not everyone obviously yeah. um but the difference is with cold calling is that the barriers to entry are incredibly low so it means that you get a disproportionately high level of poor um uh, uh experience yeah no I, I i think you're right one final question john um any any tips that you may have for people in frontline sales think no uh yeah that, that was, i was gonna leave it there but no think think about who is it you're calling what do they care about why would they listen to you what makes you different unusual um uh, what what makes your business interesting to them um, what might they be doing when you contact them, whether by email or by phone? Um, what will make them uh, listen? What will make you stand out from everyone else in the crowd? Um, I, I think just think and think about things from the other person's angle and think about who you're calling. You know, where's that list come from? I mean, not everyone has this luxury. Some people are sat in call centers with auto dialers calling. I mean, I had, I think about 16 calls yesterday about my energy supply um, in, in the office. Mm. So I've obviously got onto a list somewhere. And um, I said to one of the guys, um, 
he started the call with, all right, mate, how's it going? And I said, yeah, it's fine, thanks. How are you? Uh, and we carried on. He was quite a nice guy. Um, I said, where, where have you got this list from? I said, you know, because I've been inundated by these calls today. And it would be good if the person who's supplying you this data understands that this is a, a shared office that they've called. There is no, uh, you know, control over the gas or electric supply. Um, and he said, oh, you know, I'm just sat in a call center. An auto dialer just randomly calls people up and I start talking to them. What can that guy do? He hasn't got a lot of choice about who he speaks to or how he speaks to them, really. I mean, he can, he can, he can decide how he speaks to them to a certain degree, I guess. But um, yeah, so I think if you've got the power uh, to, to, to control who you call, how you call them and all that stuff, then just have a think and make sure that when you do it, you're doing it on a higher level and ask yourself, are you doing it out of service because you want to help the person or are you doing it out of selling because you just want to sell them some stuff? Because I mean, as you as you would know, I mean, I when I first met you, I had my website was a lot different to to what it is now, and and I was getting the message out through social media and and various other places, and people were visiting the website, and I was losing people when they got to the website because the website was way too confusing, and all sorts of stuff all over the place, and I think that's when I actually started to consider. When I'm and when I say selling, whether you're selling directly or indirectly, it makes no difference. If people find you or website or your marketing or you call them or whatever, the bottom line is when I came to my own website, looking at it as if I were a potential client, I started seeing a lot of issues that I never saw before when I looked right. at it as far as what you know what I and and I think what often happens is because we're so we're so into our own business and we know all the jargon and we know all the technical stuff and we want to show off a little bit and show how much we know. We forget that yeah. the person buying from us doesn't really care less. I mean, people contact me, they don't care whether I'm using pivot tables, formulas or array formulas. It makes no difference to them as long as it does the job. But what happens is I think a lot of people get into their little bubble of what they're doing and obviously don't look at it from the client's point of view. How would they like to you know, how would they like us to deal with this? Um, yeah. And I think that goes across the board from marketing to, I mean, I've read some marketing posts on LinkedIn. I don't understand a word of it. Uh, and you kind of go, if, you, if you're gearing that for me, I've missed it because you're talking <laughs> nonsense. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that same kind of thing comes, you know, throughout all different sales. And it's something we need to, we need to read a lot of businesses. I think need to address. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've got, um, we work with quite a lot of technical businesses and I think technical people, but you know, people who do sort of software or technology or they're, you know, uh, uh, some sort of, you know, high level thinker and a lot of technical people, I think struggle to communicate, um, on a level that their average buyer understands. Mm -hmm. They will tend to say, you know, that I've got one client in particular, they're, they're great, but they, their website was literally full of all the languages, the coding languages they use, the technology they use, so on and so forth. And they were trying to sell to a, um, to a, to a sort of uh, a specific role that was non-technical, but their mm -hmm. only buyers were technical people because no one else understood what they were saying. And they didn't realize that until I pointed it out. So I said, look, 
you're not selling to non-technical people because no one non-technical would stay on your website because they just won't understand what you're talking about. Um, you, you've written this from a technical perspective, which makes it highly pertinent to a technical audience. That's why you keep getting work from the technical people, not from the, from the ones you want. I mean, my, my brother recently uh, set up his business doing um, soft cre uh, software creation, so uh, writing software packages, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he was very proudly showing up his website. And I looked at him and I said to him, are you, are you trying to sell this to businesses who need software? Or are you trying to get people to come and work for you? So software developers to come and subcontract for you. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, both. And I said, well, you need to split that up. You need to yeah. have one site or one, at least if you've got one website, at least one part of that website for people coming, looking to get a job with you. And another mm -hmm. part for your clients, because I said, I've read through your opening paragraph on your homepage and you've immediately delved into what languages you're programming with and all the rest of it. And I, as mm -hmm. a client, don't care. No, yeah. Um, someone who's programming would need to know that, but the client doesn't need to know that and you've lost them already. Um, and, and he kind of went around and, and, and reshuffled that. But it's those kind of things that a few years back I was doing myself. And it's a very easy trap, trap to fall into. And as you say, the technical people, but also others. I mean, if you think you go back to the gardener and the florist, if, that's, mm. if that landscaper goes on about all the different fertilizers that they use and what kind of tools they use, it doesn't mean anything. All I want to know is that the place is going to look pretty once you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guilty of this. You know, if you look at our website, I'm sure it's awful because it's, um, it's really hard to do it for yourself. It it's is. really hard to get an objective perspective on something. Um, when you're in it, you know, I, I, it's just human nature. And I think that's why people, some businesses engage with, 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 with people like me is because we can come in and ask them a load of questions that they hadn't, they just hadn't thought to ask themselves or, or, or really can't ask themselves and then provide an alternative perspective. And, and, and that's quite valuable. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be someone you pay money to. You haven't got, a, you know, it could be uh, another friend who's got a business. So, you know, you could, perhaps help me out i can help you out or it could be someone you meet through a networking group or yeah. it could be you know it doesn't have to be a paid for thing but i just think it's good to get that really honest feedback from somebody um, and those difficult questions asked from from somebody in order that you can uh you know just do things a bit better definitely well john thank you very much for your time i think that's all we've got time for in this in this episode um sure. yeah thank you very much much appreciated no worries. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me along. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.